Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. It is in August now. We are closing in on the NFL season. The preseason is already underway. Training camps are in full force. Many teams wearing pads even. We are continuing our division-by-division breakdown of the NFL going into the regular season right up until opening kickoff. It is DJ joined, as always, by my co-host, Kelsey. And Kelsey, we tipped it off last week. Talked about the Norths and the nice little firestorm going on in those divisions as well, too. Today, we're going to flip course. We're going to head down to the South and talk about the AFC and the NFC South as we get ready to head on into the NFL regular season. Yeah, we went from the high and mighty peaks of the uh, of some of the powerful teams in the North to now we're going to get a little dirty down here in the South and kind of have to grind these ones out. Uh, some of these games, some of these teams, look, they may not be the best put together, but they will grind a few <laughs> wins out that, that might surprise some people. So I'm excited for this one uh, to get to talk about the South because there's a lot, of, a lot of interesting pieces in the South in both AFC and NFC. Um, and, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch this season. It may not be the, the big name rookies you're expecting to hear from, but there are going to be some rookies that make some impact on this, on, on where these teams end up at. Absolutely. There's a lot of high draft picks in some of these parts as well, too. So you'll see a lot of those big name rookies in these divisions as well, too. So I definitely look forward to that. We're going to go ahead thing and start things off by thanking our good friends over at Dr. Squatch. Dr. Squatch, click the link in our bio. Go head on over there. Smell like a man. Feel like a champion. All the wonderful soap smells. And no, none of those harsh chemicals on your skin as well, too. So before we get into go ahead and get into this talking about the South divisions, or as you caught, we're going to go ahead and, you know, give them a nice little plug as well too. go ahead, <laughs> go ahead and get pick yourself up some Dr. Squatch as well. A bunch of different yeah. soap varieties and deodorant as well, too, because you don't want to be stinky hanging out with that special someone in your life as well, too. So Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're going to go ahead and start now with the NFC South. And you know what, Kelsey? You started off last week, so I'm going to go ahead and tip things off here today. We're going to go ahead and predict the NFC South here in our main event. I'm going to start from the bottom, and it's unfortunately a pretty low bottom right now. So I have the Falcons bringing up the bringing up the caboose of this one, and I think it's going to be a really rough season for them. I have them finishing at two and fifteen after going through game by game predicting through. They're just, I don't think they're going to be two and fifteen bad. There's just not a lot of games I could see them winning, unfortunately, as well too. That you lose Matt Ryan, arguably one of your best players in franchise history. 
Kyle Pitts is a strong rookie last year. Cordell mm-hmm. Patterson was a nice presence, but Marcus Mariota is he's a pretty good quarterback. But last time he was working with Arthur Smith, he got benched and Ryan Tannehill came in. <laughs> and that's Desmond Ritter, the rookie drafted. There's some promise there, but I don't think he's quite ready to come in and help flip the franchise on its head. You lost Calvin Ridley for a year. You lost Russell Gage. Your draft, I like the drafting of Drake London, but this team unfortunately has a lot of rebuilding to do. You lost a Louis Khan as well, too, the linebacker. That AJ Trell is a fantastic piece on defense. Deion Jones, Grady Jarrett are still really good pieces. They, they, they're they in a re- rebuilding slash reloading phase right now, and I think this year is going to be really rough on them. I think Desmond Ritter is going to come in and see some playing time, whether it's for Marcus Mariota being dinged up as he's been a lot in his career or just because maybe he struggles or they just want to see what the rookie has at some point. And I think he's going to show promise, but of course, I think he's a guy that's going to benefit from sitting. I don't think he's quite ready to come out and explode onto the street, onto the scene. So it's a rough season for the Falcons. Give me two and 15 for him right now. I think the trajectory is up. You've got some really good young pieces and I think they're going to be a little, they're going to have a big jump next year, depending on how they draft. Cause as we mentioned, all those good young skill positions, but there's not, a, there's not a lot of winnable games for them. Unfortunately, like they, they don't get to play a whole lot of other quote unquote bottom feeder type teams as well too. So they, they don't get a lot, they don't get a lot of even matchups, if you will. I can see that. I, I, I don't necessarily agree, but I can see where you're coming from with this Falcons team. And I just think Mariota, I think he, he he's showing a little bit of something here. Uh, but I, I, I do think with him, with Arthur Smith, it says a lot that Arthur Smith is willing to bring him back, you know, instead of just, well, we're going to ride with what we had. So I think Arthur Smith bringing him back into his fold might be some, some telling information for how things actually shook out in Tennessee originally. So I, I think, I think there, there might be some love there still, still left to be had. Or it's, oh goodness, Deshaun did not choose us and Matt Ryan's gone. What do we do? This is all that's left to think. And I, I will point out too, I think, the reason they won seven games last year, we're going to talk about Matt Ryan a little bit later. I think Matt Ryan had a lot more to do with that than like the numbers would indicate. So I think I think they're going to take a losing him as well, too. is going to be a big step back for him as well, too. So I'm going to move on now to number three. I have the Carolina Panthers with a not respectable number of wins, but it will be a respectable season with the way they play. I have them going five and 12. It's going to be ugly in the record column. I think Matt Rule, I'll... I unfortunately don't know if he will make it through the season. I think, unfortunately, he's already on that really, really hot seat coming into the year, and I think it's going to be a little, some rough stretches there. I think Baker's a clear upgrade at quarterback over Sam Darnold, the ghost of Cam Newton, everything they had last year. And I think Matt Corral might actually see some playing time, the young rookie that got out of Ole Miss. I think in a perfect world, they'll get to play him some. They have some really good pieces. question is, does Christian McCaffrey stay healthy? We'll have to wait and see how many games you get out of him. What? Robbie Anderson, is he able to get clicking as well, too? We saw him in spurts last year, but there was a lot of empty time. DJ Moore, does he take that next step now to become even more elite? He's already kind of on that cusp of top 10, 15 receiver spot. Can he somehow make that extra jump, almost Terry McLaurin-like, and help carry this team? And this young defense, do they take another step forward? I think the defense will be really good. I think the offense will have moments of explosiveness, but I think they're going to be very inconsistent. I think turnovers will plague them, and I don't know if they will stay healthy, and I I have some real questions about the coaching situation going on there as well, too. So there's just so many question marks with Carolina, despite like when you look at the talent in each position as well, too. I like drafting Iki Okongwu. That was really good to bolster your offensive line. However, there's four other positions there that I still have some questions about that. I want to see how they fortify as well, too. So do we get there's a lot of questions in Carolina. So I think that's going to lead to a rough five and 12 season. But I think there will not be a whole lot of blowouts. I think almost every game will be competitive. Yeah, you know, I, I don't hate I don't hate your Panthers selection. Obviously, I 
Uh, number three seems pretty pretty solid for everybody <laughs> predicting this team uh, in, in the division. If they go any higher, I'm be shocked. But here's my question to you: You mentioned Matt Rule. Does he make does he make it through the season? You don't think he does? Does he make it through the quarterback transitions? And how many quarterback transitions does he make it through if he makes it through any? That's a good question, and I honestly think it it very much depends on if Baker has that starting job from week one out the gate. I think if he does, I think they'll probably make it through. They'll probably be like two and seven, three and eight, somewhere in that area. And I think around that time is where you probably get the ax. And then if Baker is healthy and he's playing well, maybe we don't see that quarterback transition. We just see a little Matt Corral, quote-unquote, Corral packages come in, use his mobility, that sort of thing as well, too. I don't think we'll see, like, unless Baker comes out and plays like he did last year when he was hurt and just completely wets the bed, but without the injury, I w- we'll have to wait and see. But I do think I'm going to say it around the t- 11 to 12 game mark is when it starts to get really hot. And if not by the latest, maybe like week 15 is when they're, if they're like three and 12, they're just like, oh, get, get, get them out of here or something like that. And last one, Chris McCaffrey over under eight weeks before he gets injured. Hmm. I'm going to say he plays at least 10 games this year. I think he has a good bounce back season. I th- I just don't think he's going to get the same workload. I think, I think they're going to spread, spread the love a little bit with some of the other running backs. So I think he's able to stay healthy because they don't, he doesn't have to carry the team on his back. More like very few running backs can do that even derrick henry who did it for a couple years you saw eventually you will break so i mean like the running backs you have to kind of spare them a little bit and on top of it christian mccaffrey was their leading receiver on top of being their workhorse (laughs) running back on top of it like they ran him really into the ground i mean that weird stat is through their first handful of seasons christian mccaffrey was second all-time in receptions only to mike thomas who had like i think mike thomas had like 310 through his first three seasons where christian was at like 301 or something ridiculous like that so yeah. I think the light in the work law on Christian McCaffrey, let him play a little bit more, but I think unfortunately there's just, there's just too many questions right now as well too, but there's a, there's some good building blocks. So give me the Panthers yeah, yeah. at five and 12 sitting at three with room to grow, but some dangerous room to plummet as well too. It's a, that's a not to be funny, but that team, it could be dangerous one way or the other. <laughs> Number two, I have the saints sitting at nine and eight. And I, the reason I have them high is I think this is the last year. Their defense is going to be elite with Dennis Allen. Cameron Jordan's getting older. Demario Day's getting older. Marshawn Lattimore, I think is kind of bounced back from that weird sophomore and junior slump he had, if that makes sense. Like his yeah. rookie year, he was incredible. Then he slumped a little bit for a couple years, but then last year, I think he really bounced back and kind of established himself as a upper echelon corner. Bring in Marcus May to replace Marcus Williams. Marcus May is really good in his own right. I think he will make some noise there. They do have some pretty good pieces defensively. Offensively, if Jameis Winston can come back, play healthy. Game manager Jameis, like we saw before he got hurt last year, like 14 touchdowns, three picks, not 5,000 yards, 30 and 30. Like something in the, a little bit less than that. Almost we joke about game manager Baker. If we get that from Jameis like we saw, we'll see what happens with Alvin Kamara. That's a big question as well too. But I'm looking at you have Mike Thomas coming back healthy and Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry. That is quite the trio of weapons. All of them. Mike Thomas is obviously he's joked as slant boy slash quit and runs like a bunch of the quick out routes and that sort of thing. But I think he can still play on the outside still. Olave could play that Z spot where he as on the outside, kind of a Stefan Diggs like role. And Jarvis Landry, we know what he could do in the slot as a blocker, receiver, do it all type of player as well, too. So I think they have a really good quartet of weapons to make things easy for Jameis to just move the ball slowly and surely. And I think the offensive line, while not as good as the previous years, I mean you can't lose Toronto Armstead and some of those guys. It's still really, really good. Ryan Ramchek is still outstanding at right tackle. Well, if Jameis can stay healthy and they don't try and force the weird Taysom Hill packages again, and they can find a way to get Jarvis, Olave, Mike Thomas in, in going in the offense, 
I'm not going to say he's a dark horse MVP candidate. I'm not going that outlandish, but I think the Saints could be an underratedly effective team if everyone stays healthy because I still think that defense still gives Tom Brady and a lot of players issues when the offense can actually stay on the field. When they lost games, it's because the defense was out there for 49 minutes of the game, it felt like, because they just kept turning it over. So give me the Saints making a surprising 9-8 and eight turnaround. Nothing too fantastic, not like Jameis Winston is the New Orleans Saints' next great quarterback, nothing like that. Olave's going to have a good rookie year. I think Mike Thomas will... He won't be can't guard Mike, but I don't think he'd be hard to guard Mike, if that makes sense. He just I don't think he'll fully bounce. I don't think he'll be fully like that 2018, 2019 form, but I think they have a lot of promising pieces. I'd so give me nine and eight for the Saints and making a run at one of those wild card spots as well, too. In fact, I actually have them finishing as that seventh seed, is how I actually have it playing out. And I had them surprisingly going five and one in the division. So I have them beating the two teams at the bottom and splitting with the Bucks. Fair enough. I you know what? I respect it. Um I, I don't know what I did with my selections. We'll talk about those later. But, uh, yeah, I got to ask you about Tyron Matthew. You didn't mention him at all. Number one rated overall safety in Madden. You don't even mention that they, you know, he lands back in New Orleans. Not going to lie. It slipped my mind completely as well, too. Tyron Matthew is awesome <laughs> as well, too. But I, I was thinking, I haven't written down in my notes as a loss for the Chiefs, but they replaced him with Justin Reed. I forgot to write down he went to the Saints. So that makes me feel even better about my predictions. You have two versatile safeties like that where, by the way, yeah. Derwin James should be the highest rated safety in Matt, but I digress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My personal opinion. But anyway, I think Tyron Matthews. Everybody's personal opinion, I feel like, unless you're just Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthews is outstanding. And the fact that, and I feel really, really good about it because I was, I was trying to remember who that other Saints defensive piece was on there, but it was on the, I could not, was not. Oh, yeah, don't be Dan Sorensen, you know, money, money Dan Sorensen back there. Well, you know what? I got to change this. They're now going 13 and four. I mean, I got to change my bill when you put Dan Sorensen out there. But I think I think that defense will be really good. Tyron Matthew, Marcus May, Marshawn Lattimore. That's a really good secondary, very versatile secondary. Demario Davis, an incredible coverage linebacker. Still got Cameron Jordan, Marcus Davenport. They, they got dudes on defense. And Dennis Allen's still a really good defensive-minded coach. Now the question is, Jameis, don't throw, t- don't throw picks. Feed your receivers almost like a – like a game manager offense, but it's a high volume throwing offense nonetheless as well too. Like those quick little bubbles and flare outs and zig routes are going to substitute for your generic handoffs, if that makes sense. So you'll have high volumes of passes, probably a good volume of yards, but it'll be in a game manager-esque type of situation. That brings me to my next question then. Jarvis, you mentioned Jarvis coming to, coming to the Saints, homecoming for him as well. Can we finally see Jarvis set a, like back to his career record highs? Like, because it's been, I mean, look, he had a great first season with Baker, but it's kind of been a miss since then. Uh, he hasn't been, like, he hasn't been the Jarvis that signed with Cleveland since that day. And I, I can we see that Jarvis ever come back? 85 to 90% of that. He's not going to be the 110 catch a, guy, catch a year guy like it was with Miami, I don't think, just because where he primarily dominates is very similar to where Mike Thomas does his best work. So I think they're going to be interchanged a lot in there. I think. In the run game, we're going to see a lot of Jarvis Landry in those inside blockings, the crackbacks, the double teams. I think you're, his value is going to be not as big on the stat sheet as what we're going to, as a episode will be as a football player as well, too. Those fake end of rounds with him as well, too, that he did a lot in Cleveland where he could throw it, he could run it, it could be a fake. A lot of those versatile things I think he's going to be used for as well, too. And then, and then on top of that, Chris Olave doesn't have quite a similar skill set as him, but if he could pick up some of the things Jarvis Landry does, I think that could be so beneficial for them. And even Mike Thomas. He once the best receiver in the game, there's a lot that can learn from. So I think he's going to have a, his presence going to be felt on the stat sheet, but even more off of the stat sheet as well too. But I do think he's going to have a quote unquote bounce back season from his last couple with the Browns as well too. I think he'll put up some pretty decent numbers. 
So Heinz, Heinz Ward-esque is what we can expect from him this season. Not Super Bowl Heinz Ward-esque, but for a no, lot no, of the no, other no. Yeah, yeah. So I think he'll be... I think he'll doing be, it all, being a, being, wreaking havoc, blocking, and receiving. So Exactly. I think I he'll be a really, really good fit. I don't think he'll light the league on fire. He'll still probably be a receiver three by the end of the year, but he'll be a really, really good receiver three. And I think he'll get that 70-80 catch mark, especially if they throw it as high volume, short passes, I think they will. Okay. All right. Interesting. All right. So now that I've I've distracted you enough from your number one team in the South. So go ahead and rip the bandaid off of this one and and shock the world with your number one NFC South prediction. Well, to nobody's surprise, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the top of the NFC South 13 and four, five and one in division, just like the saints. They crushed, they walked through the Panthers and the Falcons. They split with the saints. I think he finally beats the saints in the regular season. I think he at 45 years old, Tom Brady with the bucks gets that hump off his back where he's able to beat the, beat the saints in the regular season. So that'll put him at, let's see if I'm not mistaken, one in five in his three seasons against the saints in the regular season, which who, what a weird thing to think about, right? As well too. He's led the league in passing last year. He won the super bowl before that, but then you have a weird thing like that. The saints just seem to be that weird thorn in the side, but I have him going 13 and four number one seed in the NFC spoiler alert coming up later as well too. I think Tom Brady's going to have a, I don't think he's going to lead the league in passing like it last year, where he was my preseason MVP prediction last year going into it. I think they're going to be Julio Jones, Russell Gage, the receiver and core is the best in the game. When you go de- top to bottom depth, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. Now you have Kyle Rudolph in there as well, too, at tight end. It's as deep as it gets. I think he's going to be really good. I don't think he'll be quite as – he'll take one step back likely, but he's still going to be a top three quarterback by the end of the season with all the stats, with just all the weapons they have. But there's just looking at their schedule, there's just not a lot of games that I can see them really losing. Like there's the NFC is very, very I don't want to say weak, but a lot of the power shifted to the AFC. That the powerful teams lost to the A what they lost went to the AFC where the Bucks lost nothing, really. I mean, the one player they really lost was Ronald Jones and then Gronkowski to retirement. They did have some offensive linemen dings up and losing Kappa and some injuries here and there, but Tr- Tristan Wirfs is still good. It looks like Jensen is still gonna be Jensen's a little banged up. We'll have to see about that. But some tells me they'll sign JC Treader, get a Pro Bowl caliber center, and be on their way before we know it. So give me Tampa Bay 13 and four. Kind of a cakewalk season form as well. I think Tom Brady will be really, really good once again. Look for the receivers to everybody eats a little bit as well. Defensively, they're still pretty loaded as well, too. In fact, they might their defense might actually shock some people with how good they could be. I think they'll even last year they took a little bit of a step back in certain spots. I think they'll take a I think they'll improve a little bit this year, too, especially on the back end. I like it. Uh, you know, you mentioned the receivers all eating. There's a new receiver in town uh, coming in that number two role. It looks like Julio Jones. How much, how impactful is Julio going to be in this Tampa offense? Do you think he'll take that number two role? You think he'll take over Chris Godwin's spot or? Well, I mean, maybe, maybe we'll see. <laughs> well, we'll see. That, I, this I, is for you. This is for you to predict. Well, I think Chris Godwin will probably miss a couple of games just coming back from that knee injury, but I think he, Chris Godwin will come back. He'll take over as that main slot type of receiver role, but I think Julio Jones is going to help them the most in the red zone, just because you lose the Gronkowski. So in, that's going to you're going to put Mike Evans on one side, you're going to put Julio Jones on the other side, and you're going to have Kyle Rudolph and Chris Godwin in the middle and say good luck everybody else. And I think by that, Mike Evans is probably going to get it's going. I think it's going to just be fade routes for days between those two. So I can see Julio Jones getting touchdown, getting a good amount of touchdowns between the twenties. Maybe not quite as much work because that's usually where Tom likes to kind of work the middle of the field, the Chris Godwin's that sort of thing as well, too. So I think he'll be a very effective receiver. I don't think he'll be Julio of past, like Atlanta Julio, but he'll be much better than Titans Julio Jones. Like, he'll be way better than that. Maybe like a 7-800-yard season. Maybe, but I think it'll be the 8 or 9 touchdowns. I'll be like, oh, well, okay, then. That's a that's a nice change. We haven't seen that in a while. So I think he'll be a so, big threat in the red zone. 
So reverse last couple seasons of Atlanta. Comple- completely, yeah. <laughs> I like but, it. All right, so go ahead for everybody that just, just missed out. Go ahead and recap your NFC South for us. So from top to bottom, NFC South, we got the Bucks sitting at 13-4. and four. We're walking through the NFC. The Saints at 9-8 and eight in the number two spot, making a wild card appearance as the seventh seed. The Panthers with a competitive, but unfortunately not very not very high win, five and twelve, and Atlanta with a rough season, sitting at two and fifteen, and in the midst of a what will probably be a pretty decent rebuild. All right, all right, all right. respect it. I like it. All right, so we got went through my NFC South picks. There, there's a look on your face for a few of them as well, too. So I definitely, I know you got some change. You got a little difference of opinion here. So go ahead, Kelsey. The floor is yours. Take us through your NFC South predictions. Yeah, so starting from the bottom, working my way up. Um, I, again, I, I'm starting to question my own sanity when I pick these now. I felt pretty good about the first division we did, and uh, now I don't feel great right now. Hmm. So number four, uh, the New Orleans Saints at 3-14, and 14, well, going 1-5 well, and well. Five in the division. Their one win, although, I, as outlandish as it is, still comes against Tampa. Um, hmm. so, I, I don't know how I ended up with this, but I honestly don't. Jameis and I, I have a love-hate relationship with Jameis. And I, again, don't trust Jameis coming off of an injury, given we didn't really see enough winning mentality with Jameis. We saw capabilities, but we didn't see enough winning with Jameis before he got injured last year. They were a good team. But how much of that is the defense carrying him? And now the defense did get better, but I still worry. You can't lose somebody like Marcus Williams and it'd be just like, okay, like – I, I know Marcus May is capable. I know Tyron Matthews is capable. Again, not the number number one safety in the league capable, but he's capable. Uh, Daniel Sorensen is a liability, though, and when you throw him in there in those diamond nickel packages, I do worry. Um, I, I think this is more just, like, wishful thinking, and I think Alvin Kamara's injury is going to hurt a lot more than – or not an injury, but the uh, legal situation is going to hurt a lot more than anybody thinks. Because Mark Ingram, anytime he's a feature back, is two yards. You need three yards, he's going to get you two yards. You need one yard, he's going to get you two yards. You need seven yards, he's going to get you two yards. Mark Ingram is a two-yard back. That is it. They don't have enough depth there. I, I, I can't even remember the third-string running back they brought in. And, I yeah, I, I don't trust the whole Michael Thomas contract situation in the offseason. Chris Olave, I love him as a receiver. He's fantastic. He's going to build, off of, build into a great player one day. Right now is not the time for experimenting out here. Uh, you need to win games, and it's going to be on. I feel like it's going to be on Jarvis and that defense, and I don't think there's enough there. There's no, there's no tight end that you can trust for this team either. I, I just don't trust a single tight end on this team. I think it's Troy Hill as their starting tight end. Still don't trust him. What if I told you Jarvis Landry is QB two? We might have to. Oh, we might have a change of heart <laughs> here. I might be. I might might completely flip this, but um, yeah, I, I I don't know. And I am getting catching some heat from the comments here. So Crab Lake is going to be way better than you think. You know what? He might be better than I think, but he has to prove it to me. Last time I saw him on a field for a full season, he threw 30 interceptions. So, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from him right now. That was blind Jameis, though. We got LASIK eye Jameis right now. I've We've only seen, seen seven. I've never seen LASIK eye seen seven Jameis games of him, and they were five and two. Five and two, but it was very sketchy. Five and two against a very easy schedule. They were at the top of the division and in the middle of beating the beating the Bucks. I'm just and they did beat the Packers too. They don't forget they ramrodded the Packers week one. Jameis threw five touchdowns then for like 40 yards or whatever it was too because they were all three yard touchdowns. 
that Packers, we could all agree that Packers team in the early season of last year was not the Packers team that finished out that season. So yeah, well, that finished just... out the season was worse. Oh, you saw what happened. <laughs> you saw what happened in that playoff game. But, but I agree with you. They, they tell, they, it's a very, uh, they're, they're interesting to watch. I think they could it's... go nine and eight, 10 and seven, but they could really yeah. easily plummet, especially if Jameis starts tossing picks again as well, too. And if he's even healthy and able to about, come back right away, because I don't know if they're going to try and bring out Taysom Hill again. If that's the case, I'm following your three and 13 of Taysom Hill's or three and 14 of Taysom Hill's taking the snaps. Yeah, it, it, it's, it is really big worry that I just I think they can go one way or the other. Honestly, I do believe this team could be good enough to go and land themselves in a wild card role. If I also see more than five, six games, and I agree, yeah. then it gets really sketchy. Yeah, it's just I just there's not enough in the running back court for me to feel safe. I'm sorry, Mark Ingram. But hmm. No, hmm. shut up. Like, go back to go back to being Lamar's you know, hype man, and that's that's it. You back to fumbling dead. into your own end zone when you're at Alabama. Like, let's not forget where you came from, Mark Ingram. You're the gift of a Heisman Trophy. They gave it to you because somebody from Alabama had to finally win one, and they just gave it to you. All right. Well, we can go Anyways. off on this tangent. This one's going to lead you down a very, very dark path. So I'm going to let you go and take us take us up the ladder now. Who do you have at number three in the NFC South? At number three, I'm going with those Panthers, and yeah, it's uh, this is a situation where I think the Panthers are are a very interesting team where they could again they could easily go seven and ten, and but I have them at four and thirteen. Um, I don't think they're going to be good enough to to win out i do think we might see a carousel at the beginning of the season i think we see sam darnold in game one and then it's going to be a baker for game two and three and then when it's zero and three and baker looked like crap in game two and three and through six interceptions it's going to be matt corral season and matt corral's not going to give you anything <laughs> and matt rule's going to be gone and it's going to be up to christian mccaffrey and then again we all know what christian mccaffrey can do when healthy he can be fantastic when he's not healthy that team sucks Chuba, Chuba Hubbard is fantastic as a backup running back, but he is not, let's not kid ourselves, he's not Christian McCaffrey. Nobody's Christian McCaffrey. Nobody's that skilled. Um, so I, I like, I love their defense, and I think that's what gets them four wins. And I love Christian McCaffrey. I think that's what gives them four wins. DJ, you know, DJ Moore gets four wins. Hmm. Uh, Robbie Anderson gets them four wins. None of their quarterbacks get them any wins. <laughs> it's going to be like an end around or a Robbie, Ander, a Robbie Anderson end around, throw it up to DJ Moore for a touchdown. Like that's what this is going to end up being. Um, I just don't see this Panthers team doing much of anything. But yeah, four thirteen in, in in the season, two and two and four in their division. They pull one out from the Saints, pull one out from the Falcons. So, okay, ah. you know what? I, I'm a little, I'm I'm intrigued. I'm not really too surprised about this one. I'm surprised about what's about to come next, though, as well, too, because there's two teams left in the South, and well, one of them is definitely someone that I was not as high on. So I'm just let you go right on ahead now to number two. You have sitting there. Yeah, so uh, hanging my own self right here with number two. Um, here's this one's going to be played back on the replay at the end of the season of bad takes, probably. It's either or, freezing cold or or Nostradamus. Uh, yeah, or somebody's going to crown me a king and I'm going to be uh, a billionaire. Well, let's not get hasty so. now. I mean, like maybe we'll give you a fist pump, but let's not. We're not. We want to crown him, then we'll crown your. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. But at that number two, the Dirty Birds themselves, the Atlanta Falcons, uh, seven and ten. Actually, I'm going four and two in the division. The only team they lose to is the Buccaneers. But they, you know, I'm sorry, they they pull one from the Bucs and then they lose the other one to the to the Saints. So they, they split the series with both of them. Um or sorry, split the series with the Panthers, not the Saints. Oh Lord. I'll get the I'll get the bright eventually. They're all bottom dwellers. Who am I kidding? Uh, I do think this team, again, I think there was a lot to say about Mariota coming back with Arthur Smith. I think that's a big, big tell. Like you don't an offensive coordinator who becomes a head coach doesn't just bring in a guy he benched if there's not a reason. 
Like there is a very valid reason he believes in the skill set of Mariota for this team. And I think we do see Cordell Patterson continue his his ramrodding of the, of this wide receiver running back role that is absolutely fantastic for him. That new development. Like I think this is gonna be the transition. We see he's gonna be the guy that kind of spearheads at Debo Samuel's second in line of what this new role could be. And I think I think they're gonna do do exceptionally well with it. I, I think Drake London, I mean, if you're sleeping on Drake London at this point in time and you're still tooting that Traylon Burks horn. Sorry, spoiler alert for when I talk about the Titans. You're doing it wrong. Like, you're looking at this completely wrong. uh, Jake London, man, he is absolutely lighting up number one corners, former all-pro corners, still guys that have gone to Pro Bowls in the most recent as two years ago corners. Um, He is making them look idiots, like like idiots in in practice. And, I mean, I think that's something to be said. It's a a bailout. Every quarterback wants a bailout, right? And just being able to bail it out to a six foot five receiver that can go up and dunk on anybody makes you feel pretty good, right? I like that option. I know Marcus Mariota loves that option. So I think Drake London's going to be fantastic. I think Kadero Hodge as a third receiver is actually going to be a little more deadly than a lot of people think. I'm not going to say he's going to be fantastic, but I think he's going to be a little more deadly than people think. Um, and I do think there's a, a, a little, little white guy playing middle linebacker coming out of Montana State that might make it himself a pretty big nuisance in this NFC South come this come this this next season. And I think I think he's gonna have an opportunity, Troy Anderson, if you guys don't know who I'm talking about. Literally the the perfect athlete grade in the draft. The only perfect athlete grade for a middle linebacker or for any defensive player not on a defensive line in the draft. Oh, he had, he won awards playing quarterback in college as well too. So if worst comes to worst, let him run let him run some wild falcon with him, Cordero, yeah. Drake, London, and Kyle Pitts. Like my questions for you now though is, so you said you talked about Marks Mariota, and then do you think Desmond Ritter sees the field at all this year? I I think there's an opportunity for him. I think it depends. I think it depends on how this season goes. So I have it at seven and ten, but the way they get to seven to ten is very awkward. Um, they win three, lose a bunch. Middle of the season, there's that transition to Desmond Ritter. And Desmond Ritter rattles off too early. They go into a stalemate. Then they run that back end where they run the Panthers and Saints at the end of the season. They win both of those. And that's how I have them getting to seven wins. So it's not like – this isn't like a seven-win comfortable win. Like this is like a I'm going to back in – back my way into success leading into next season, seven wins. It saves Arthur Smith's job, and it gives Desmond Ritter a stepping stone for next season, I think. Do you think Desmond Ritter will establish himself as the guy they should run with going the next year, or do you think they'll be looking to draft a quarterback early next year? Oh, no, I think Desmond Ritter will be just fine. Um, There's a lot of things you have to take into account for this offense for the Falcons. Number one being Calvin Ridley will return after this season, unless he takes another $1,500 bet and, you know, becomes an idiot that does that. I hope he doesn't. Um, He is a great great player to have on the field, and the fact he gets a year for a stupid bet – is is the dumb, the back end of a parlay and that's like it's just like a throw-in bet for his parlay like mm-hmm. it's tough um but no i think i think there's there's a lot to look forward to for this Falcons team and i think they'll build on that this year in a very backwards way but they'll do it and get ready for next year and and and, and hopefully have some some progress i'm very hopeful for this Falcons team really i am well, i'll wrap it up as an imagine <laughs> year you would have third year kyle pitts you'd have second year drake london and in his prime, Calvin Ridley, and a and a full season under his belt, Desmond Ritter going to next season with whatever they draft as well too. That's a that could be a scary squad in the future, and I think this year is going to be that one dip before they take. I think they're going to make a nice little oh well okay then and explode on people coming up. So that'll be very interesting as well too. 
Yeah. All right. So I mean, as, as you can, as you can tell, I'm I'm hopeful for the Falcons. So. Exactly. <laughs> it, well, all right. Who do we have at number one? Surprising, absolutely nobody is the Buccaneers. Uh, going 14 and three, five and one in the division. Again, just losing that one to the Saints because that just seems to be Tom Brady's itch in his back. He can't reach. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've done they've done great. Like you, you your defense is still exceptional. I, I don't know how you keep this defense together for as long as you have. Like you lose you lose a couple guys in the middle. Eh, whatever. <laughs> They're old. You just happen to replace them with two guys that are now second year players who had plenty of playing time in the previous years. Like oh, oh okay. And their offensive line, obviously, the big miss is going to be their center leaving. Um, that is that is kind of their big. Oh no, but. It'll be okay. It's Tom Brady leading this team. We've seen Tom Brady with a brand new center before go to the Super Bowl and win. So, I mean, I'm not really worried about the center quarterback connection there um, at all. Like, I mean, really at anything. And Tom Brady now gets gets his offensive coordinator. Uh, is now his head coach. and uh, Or his offensive coordinator stays. They get the head coach he wants. And, yeah, I think I think it all all works out. So, I think this Bucks team, everything about them is, is built to win. I mean, I mean, you got everything you wanted besides getting his way to Miami, basically at this point. So, I mean, I think I agree with you. And there's not a whole lot of competitions. You got to imagine for the Bucks, it'd almost be a, a very disappointing season if you won less than 12 games. Like, you'd be like, what is going on here? Something is broken. Something is haywire. If they win less than 12 or 13 games, so I, I'd agree with you. It feels like all signs point to the Bucks ship uh, leading the way, not just in the NFC South, but being a contender in the NFC as a whole. So, and when even at even at such an advanced age, too, he's still the best quarterback in the division by a country mile, a fortnight, of parsec, whatever you need as well, too. So he's he's got that division kind of on a stranglehold. My question for you two, though, is what do you think Julio Jones's impact will be now with the, with his new team? I, I think he does impress, um, but I also think, just like you, I think it's going to be reverse Atlanta the last couple of seasons where it is very much just – uh, you know he's he, inside the twenties. He's going to be fantastic. Outside of the twenties, he's he's not going to look great. I think it's going to be a disappointment to some people who are expecting that Julio Jones. I th- I do think though. With that said, the guy will still go and, and jump over people. So if there's a 50-50 ball opportunity, he's going to go up and win it nine times out of ten, in my opinion. So I still think there's an opportunity there. I still think those those goal line red zone fade routes between Julio and Mike Evans is just going to be dangerous. I mean, what do you do? Double team both of them like it's a punt, then they're going to get it to four Tutty Lenny right up the gut or throw a Kyle Rudolph in the back of the end. So I'm like, this red zone offense should be almost unstoppable at this point as well, too. I'd, it's going to be absolutely ridiculous. But NFC yeah. South, very similar at the top as we both have the Bucks running away with it comfortably as well, too. So that, looking now to the AFC South where – Well, before – as a, just so everybody, if you missed it, let me go ahead and recap my yeah, South. Yeah, just so you guys can hear the blasphemy that I just put out there in the world. Number four, the Saints sitting at three and 14. Number three, the Panthers at four and 13. Number two, the Falcons at seven and 10. And taking the division and number one overall in the NFC, just like you. Bucks at 14 and three instead of 13 and four. So cannot wait for that. That'll be very interesting to see. What do you have the Bucks going in the division? Five and one? In division five and one. Yep. Okay. So very much it. We both have them basically that one random loss to the Saints that's mandatory each year as well, too. Just for once, they don't lose both of them, it feels like. So yeah. should be get, should be a very uh interesting NFC South. But that's gonna take us now over to the AFC South where well things uh well that we'll let you all decide where things go go as well too. And Kelsey for the AFC South, I will go ahead and let you take things away, start with as well too, since I went first on the NFC South. Go ahead and let us know how you think the AFC out south plays out and if it's gonna be as much of a cakewalk as the NFC South would kind of was. 
it's going to be two front runners. It's it's mm. going to stay the same two front runners that they've been in the last five seasons. It feels like it's been these two teams and nobody else. There was that one Deshaun season. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it, to me, I look at this division and you have your obvious bottom dwellers. You have your obvious, uh, you know, guys up top. So we'll get straight to it. I'm not even going to just pull the mandate off. Uh, Texans, you guys are awful. Everybody's hurt right now and you got a lot of work to do. You're still like a draft and a half away from getting there. Uh, and this has become as no insult to anybody who's a Houston fan. I'm sorry. Hmm. This this is a rough season. Um, two and fifteen is where I have them. One and five overall in the division. Surprising, absolutely nobody. They managed to squeak that one game off against the Colts because somehow the Texans seem to be the Colts' issue in the world. I don't get it. It just happens. Weird, the weirdest thing in the world. I'll never get. I'll never understand that one. Um, I really don't have a lot to say about the Jaguar about the Texans. I mean, it's like Brandon Cooks are bust. Um, obviously, their, their young rookie Damian Pierce will be taking over as their number one running back. He looks fantastic. I wish Marlon Mack would get more of a burn. Won't get that. Probably won't get that opportunity. Um, Damian Pierce has just been running out of his mind in camp. Um, Davis Mills, look, if he was on a different team with different opportunity with different weapons, who actually had weapons <laughs> and an offensive line that wouldn't get him killed, you might see some some interesting things there. Uh, this defense. Yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Like their defense is, it, it exists on the field, but I don't know how much they're going to do with everybody, you know, being either a rookie who's a primetime player or just not the greatest player at their position. Like it's, it's going to be kind of rough. Um, it is going to be a team that's going to be led by a bunch of young guys in three years. This team's going to be dangerous if they can keep them all together and they keep them all healthy and like working towards the same path. But right now it's not there. So. Uh- I like Derek Stingley. That's about the extent of what I like about the Texans right now. There's a lot of there's a lot of holes, and they got a lot of work to do to kind of undo the Bill O'Brien, Deshaun trading D Hop. Just the mess of those that three year stretch where they were good at the time, but now you have to kind of you have to pay the tax man, if you will. I don't know. I don't know what happens with an NFL organization when these things happen. You've had five years to look towards this season and know that this was coming. Like know in the back of your head that if you don't begin picking young guys here to fill these extra positions here, you're going to be at just the bottom of the, of, of the, the bottom of the, the league for a couple years. It's not just like one or two years. Like this is a couple year type of thing. I don't, I, I never understand how teams could just overlook the future like this. This is always this bothers me. And the Texans have just done the most egregious job of it lately. You mentioned Bill O'Brien, his trade, the trades under Bill O'Brien are just God awful. I, I think it's safe to say at least you got some extra first round picks for the next couple of years going forward. So you do have a chance to flip things around quickly if you need to as well, too. So Houston bringing up the rear. Yeah. So Houston at number four, number three, that leads me over to Duval, Jacksonville Jaguars, four and 13, two and four in their division. And as look, they're, they're getting better. They're, they're getting better. Um, you, you still have to figure out your issue at running back. Does James Robinson come back healthy? Can you trust Travis Etienne to carry the entire load, considering he went out as early as he did last preseason? Um, your receivers, would you let them all go? Where'd they go? Where, where, where's your receivers at? Um, defense, though, you did you did a pretty good job. Like, you did a pretty good job refilling your defense, although I still don't get why you let Miles Jack go. Somebody answer that one for me, please. Um, at least you held on to Josh Allen for this year. <laughs> Until the trade deadline. I don't know if you're going to keep him through the trade deadline at this point in time. Um, I'm still scratching my head at the Trayvon Walker number one overall. Again, I think if that's a 22 pick, 
great pick, number one overall. Mm, there were options there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. This is If anybody thought the Jaguars were going to be good this year, I'm sorry to be the one to tell you they're not. Like, it's just, it's just not there. What are your Trevor Lawrence expectations this year? Do you think we see a noticeable improvement, just doesn't get wins, or do you think he's still kind of slumping? What do you expect to see from T-Law this year? I think he's going to he, – I mean, look, he has Evan Ingram as his best target right now. I mean, like, Evan Ingram, a man known for his drops and handing the ball to defenders during Eli Manning's career. Like, this, I don't. I honestly don't know what to expect from, from Trevor Lawrence. I do think we'll see a market improvement, improvement in his decision-making. But I, I still think he's going to be – he's going to be penalized because of his receivers. Like, his best receiver will probably end up this season being a running back, if we're going to be completely fair. Like, he, that's probably likely going to be his number one receiver at the end of the season. So, I, I honestly don't know um, if, we'll see a, if we'll see a numbers improvement. I think if you – the eye test will tell you there's an improvement, but I don't think you'll see a numbers improvement. Yeah. Christian Kirk is – Christian Kirk's just sitting there with his $18 million a year like, what about me? And then the rest of us are like, what about you? <laughs> Prove to me you're deserving of $18 million, Christian Kirk. I've yet to see you get a thousand yard season. That's Prove good. it to me. I will I will eat my words. <laughs> and we and we know a Jaguars fan. We I we will call up Jim and I will like literally print out my words, put them on a cake, and I will eat those words with Jim in my presence. You just want to eat a cake. That's all you're just looking for a reason to eat a cake at this point. But I mean yeah, I can at least make it I guess I'll make it a brownie instead. But yeah, like, I mean look at <laughs> At this point in time, like I, like I just, I Christian Kirk, what, how do you deserve eighteen million dollars? Prove, like, tell me, explain it to me. I don't get it. We'll, we'll have to definitely wait and see on that one. So Jaguars bringing up the spot at number three. So looking now at number two. So number two is the Titans. You lose AJ Brown. Uh, that's going to be a huge miss. You try to replace it with Traylon Burks. That's not going to work out because the dude can't even stay away from his asthma inhaler long enough to to play, see the field. And I'm saying that as a person with asthma. Who was telling you if you didn't if you struggled with it in Arkansas and it was a big enough deal in Arkansas for them to know about it? Nashville is not nearly as bad as as Fayetteville, Arkansas, when it comes to playing with with asthma. Because one, you're at a different height, a much higher elevation in 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 Arkansas. You're also in a much worse humidity environment, and you also have to deal with actual snow in Fayetteville, Arkansas. You don't have to deal with those last two things at all, or elevation in Nashville. So. I have questions about this whole asthma situation, whether it's actually asthma or if it's completely something else. I wonder, potentially, did he get COVID in this COVID side effect? It's a possibility. Um, I don't know. I, there's something going on with this Traylon Burke situation that worries me a lot about him going forward. Hmm. Not enough to make this team really bad, but just enough to make this team 10 and 7 and not be a, not be a playoff team. Um, I do think when you, lose a, when you lose somebody like A.J. Brown and you don't replace him with really anything – that's a big, big worry. But you get Derrick Henry back. Literally, good luck stopping the bowling ball that is Derrick Henry. I, I don't know if anybody can. And let's not forget Ryan Tannehill, still a very capable quarterback, still can run the ball, still can get out of the pocket and make moves. Um, they got a couple of young receivers that are making noise in in, in uh, fall practice, looking really good, possibly making the team and possibly being a second and third option. And let's not forget this defense. It's still really good. Uh, not great by any means. But when you have a Kevin Byard out there, I don't care. <laughs> like, Kevin Byard, meatball, ball, meet Kevin Byard's hands. Okay, you get six picks a year. Cool. Simple math. So, simple. so my one question for you at the Titans is, do you think we see Malik Willis this season? If so, how much? 
I think there's an opportunity for Malik Willis uh, to see the field. I think this one, this depends. If they are going towards the ten and seven record, no. Um, if they're going towards a flip seven and ten, possibly or even worse, absolutely, I could see Malik Willis there. Um, just it would just depend on the situation. If they're starting to lose games that they should win, like let's say they blow two games to the Jaguars and struggle against the Texans, and obviously they are not coming close against the Colts. Like if that's the situation in their offense, their sta- they, their offense is just it's Derrick Henry or bust, and then people are stacking nine, ten guys in the box. Hell, maybe they stack all eleven in the box. Maybe they don't care. It's just straight cover zero. Like if that's the situation that they're facing, absolutely put Malik Willis in there and just put your fastest guy up on the outside and just see what happens. <laughs> I think Malik Willis can throw that guy open. Um, Malik Willis might be the fastest guy though. I mean, I don't know. I was going to throw it to himself. <laughs> That's fair. But, I, I mean, I do think we get, there's an opportunity to see Malik Willis. I do think if they do see Malik Willis, you get a couple wins with him. But it wouldn't be like – it's like nothing more than two or three, And to be fair. Okay, so I, I see it. So, Titans still getting to the 10-win mark, just not quite enough in the new load of AFC. And that means you have the Colts sitting at the top of the AFC South by the sound of it. Yeah, Colts at the top of the AFC South, 14-3 and three overall. Oh, wow. Okay, so you have them being that team this year. You have them being four a Four and two in the division. Still four and two in the division. I, I, you, you, I still don't – so let me get this straight. You have them losing two games in the division, but only one outside of the division when they play the AFC West and the NFC East. So you have them only losing one game between those other eight teams. You heard those words come out of my mouth. <laughs> you remember when I said I was I was actually like questioning my, my picks earlier? Now I'm like, man, did I not pick the right team? No, I picked the right team, and here's why the Colts are the best team in the AFC South and potentially the best team in the AFC. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers, yeah. Uh, that's actually going to tie into our AFC West conversation when we get to there. But the Colts have the perfect situation. I said this last year, and I'm saying it again this year. <laughs> For a quarterback, this is the absolute perfect decision if you have no ego. I have to amend the statement and say have no ego because obviously Carson Wentz proved that he had an ego, and that was the issue. This season, you get the definition of egoless player, a guy from Boston College, who played in Atlanta through Roddy White, Julio Jones, Tony Gonzalez was there. I mean, this guy played there in some of the most boring situations you could play in, and he's also played in the Super Bowl. Granted, it wasn't a great Super Bowl. He had a 25 point lead in the Super Bowl. <laughs> not his fault that they didn't win that Super Bowl. I'm going to stand by that. For some reason, instead of choosing to run the ball, his coach decides to throw the football again. I don't get it. Even Matt Ryan has said, I don't get it. Julio Jones said, I don't get it. But guess what? That's what they did. And that's Matt Ryan, by definition, is an egoless game manager. All Indy needs is an egoless game manager to hand the ball off to Jonathan Taylor and throw to your brand new weapon, Alec Pierce, and your weapon that's in his second year, Michael Pittman. And who knows? Whoever whoever else you add. Whoever else you add is gonna gonna be gonna be absolutely fantastic. You know what? Don't don't surprise me if Mo Ali Cox catches seven touchdowns this year. <laughs> like, this defense is great. They just need an offense to move the ball and hold on to the ball. Score occasionally. Score on 60. You know, score on 50% of your 55% of your drives. And you win games. Score touchdowns or score field goals? Score. Period. Okay. Period across the board. Score 55% of the, your drives and you will win. At least 12 games. 
So you're saying if they have six drives a game, score three t- three times, get yourself 21 points. I think that that'll probably be enough for most of your games. I I honestly don't think this defense this defense is is as good as they could be. As I talked about with like the Saints earlier, where like they're a young team, or not the Saints, but the Texans earlier, where they're a young team led by some young youngsters that are going to be great in three years. I think these youngsters for the Colts that are now older. I look at Kenny Moore. I look at Darius Leonard. I look at you know uh, Blackman in the back, in the secondary who. <coughs> It's time because of injury. It's going to be fantastic this year. I mean, I think the big miss is Kari Willis. That obviously hurts him retiring. But I do think this Colts team is going to be very dangerous nonetheless. Very interesting. All right. So 14-3, and three, the Colts with a big bounce back as well, too. Matt Ryan, who's like eighth on the all-time leading passing yards, the ultimate game manager for this offense as well, too. So I, that, that's I, – you know, that's so interesting. That. I, I'm wrong with it. We're – as we're getting on the back end of the show, I'm going to cruise through mine here pretty quickly because they're very, they're weirdly similar, but with some twists. So Texans, I have at the bottom. Actually, would you like to, for those who didn't catch it, you want to repeat the order oh, for yeah. what you had as well? Too. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So everybody, if you didn't catch my list, it is Texans 2 and 15 at number four, Jaguars at number three at four and 13, Titans at number two, 10 and seven, and the Colts at number one, 14 and three, taking the AFC South. But, all right. So we'll go through mine quickly. I have the Texans at the bottom as well, three and 14. I like Derek Stingley Jr. a lot. I think there's just a, they need more. They just need to draft. They need to add players. I think Brandon Cooks will be pretty decent, but I think part of that's going to be because he might end up getting traded as well, too. So I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if he gets traded by the end of the year as well. At number three, I have the Jaguars, 5-12. and 12. Trevor Lawrence is going to look pretty good, I think. I think we're going to see improvement. More touchdowns, less picks, higher completion percentage. But he's going to take a full year of even Doug Peterson doing some of his best coaching work to undo what Urban Meyer did that first year as well, too. But there's even if Trevor Lawrence is twice as good as he was last year, that's going to get him just slightly above where we expect as a rookie. That's how bit, bit, big of a hindrance I think the Urban Meyer experience really was. Plus, you factor in like the James Robinson situation where they wouldn't give him the ball and made a mess and he got hurt. Travis Etienne being out last year and their receivers, while like we kind of joked about Christian Kirk, $18 million, you got to prove it. It's better than what he had last year. That's, I think that's the weirdest part. So he is a, Arguably, one of the guy who reset the market made absolutely no sense, and Tyreek, Devonta Adams, and all those guys thank him for it. But he's still light years better than what they had last year after DJ Shark went down. Marvin Jones is still the solid receiver. Travis Etienne might play a little receiver, so I think we'll see improvement, but not enough wins. So give me five and twelve. The defense, I think, as well too. Devin Lloyd, I like him. Added to the defense, good good momentum forward, but they still have some work to do. Number seven, I have that. Or number two, I have the Titans, but I have them at seven and ten. I think it's going to be a rough year for the Titans. I think losing A.J. Brown, you lost Corey Davis the year before. What you mentioned with Traylon Burks, I don't think he's going to be able to replace the loss of those two. I think Tannehill, we kind of saw last year, their 12-5 and five, number one seed in the AFC was, I don't want to say fluky, but it, seemed, it was kind of one of those things where a lot of things kind of pointed in the right direction for him. Like Kind of like the Warriors' first championship. Everyone talks about how they got to go through like an injury here, an injury there, injury there. Like You didn't have Kyrie, Kevin Love. You didn't have to deal with Mike Conley. You didn't have to, all the injuries they talked about. Kind of felt like that with the Titans. Like you caught the Bills at the right time before they peaked. You caught the Chiefs when the Chiefs were before they actually, you know, learned that you don't have to throw 60 yards every single play before they got rolling as well. Then you picked up some weird back end wins. Like you were down big to the Seahawks. You ended up then the, then the Seahawks kind of gave that one away when Julio Jones had his one 100 yard game of the year. Then you had the, the two wins with the Colts as well, too. The division was you just weirdly miserable last year. But then you still lost to the Jets and to teams like that. So I think. Is a weird 12 and five last year. I think they take a step back. I, I'm worried that we don't see Derrick Henry play all 17 games. I'm not saying he gets hurt like he did last year, but I think 
maybe only get 15 games, maybe misses a game here or there or something that nags him as well. You can't give him a grown, no matter how grown of a man Derrick Henry is, because we know he's just, whatever human is, he's at the very top of it before exceeding human. You can only hand him the balls, give him the ball so many times before something starts to crack. So I think it's going to be a rough season for the Titans, and I do think we see Malik Willis, whether it's in his own package system or if he ends up taking the job as well too. So I do think we see a lot, a decent amount of Malik Willis. So give me the Titans at 7-10. and 10. So at the top, I also have the Colts not quite as dominant. I have them at eleven and six. I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna be five and one in the division. They're, good. I think they're gonna be really good in the division. I think against the AFC West, they're gonna go two and two. So I think that they'll do a decent job dealing with those teams as well too. I think the NFC East they'll be comfortable. So I think I'm going eleven and six as a really good team as well too. I think Jonathan Taylor's gonna get a little bit less burn, but he's still gonna be a top three running back. I think Matt Ryan, everything you said about him, the man was an MVP. He was the, if you look at since he entered the league, he's like third in passing yards during that time or something asinine like that. I think he's had one season less than 4,000 yards, maybe two. We talked about how bad Atlanta is, arguably, or at least how bad I think they're going to end up being. And he would lead them to seven wins last year. He was running over linebackers last year at 37 years old. He was dipping his shoulder and truck sticking full grown linebackers. So I think he has a good amount left in the tank. And he has those. So one thing that Carson Wentz refuses to do, he's not afraid to check it down. And I think we're going to mm-hmm. see. And utilize that a lot. It's not going to be wait, 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 throwing a triple coverage. It's going to be a little bit of what we saw with Phillip Rivers as well, too, with a little bit of the good with Carson. I think he's the split between the between them. And I think that defense is going to be insane. Bringing in Stephon Gilmore to play on the outside as well, too, a healthy Stephon Gilmore. So you have a, arguably one of the better outside corners with the best nickel corner, a DeForest Buckner, J- Julian Blackman. When Shaquille slash Darius Leonard gets healthy, you'll have him at linebacker with Bobby Okereke. Bringing in Yannick and Ngakwe, too, who people forget. I know he bounces around a weird amount, but he dominates everywhere he goes. Like, I mean, he averages eight sacks a season for his career, and I think leads the league in forced fumble since he entered in the top few. To go, with, I think that defense is going to be fantastic. And as you mentioned, the offense just has to score. Just score enough and keep the ball, play play keep away sometimes, move, move offensively, be efficient. Matt Ryan does what he did last year with the putrid Falcons team. I think they'll be just fine. He... I think mean, you don't even need MVP, Matt, right? You just need like 80% of that. And I think they'll be really, really good. I think this team's going to be underratedly dangerous, kind of like everything we talked about last year, but actually real life this year. So I th- have them going. So for me, for the AFC South, we have the Texans bring up the rear at three and 14 Jaguars, five and 12, the Titans, seven and 10 and the Colts taking the AFC South with an 11 and six record at a team that is very, very dangerous entering the playoffs as well, too, with a, Dual with a very, very deep running back core. Now, won't just be Jonathan Taylor this year, too. Yeah, no, I like it. Now, we did just like last week. We're going to real quickly run through fantasy players to watch for each division, for each team. So, DJ, I went first last time. This time you get to go first. And let's go ahead and just run it right back here with the AFC South. Cool. AFC South. Texans, I'm going with Brandon Cooks as a fantasy player to watch. For no other reason, I think he gets traded. But I think you don't have a whole lot else to really. Who else are you going to pick at this point? For the Jaguars, I think Travis Etienne's going to be the guy. We forget when De- when Doug Peterson was the coach of the Eagles and one of the heads of that offense, they threw a lot to the running backs, guys like Clement out of the backfield. We even saw LeGarrette Blunt, J.H.I., different guys get involved in the passing game. So I look for Travis Etienne to be the basically the safety blanket for, for Trevor Lawrence when Tr- Christian Kirk's not separating against the Stephon Gilmores and the Jalen Ramseys of the world. For the, t- for the Titans... I, the safe pick is Derrick Henry, but I'm going to go with the defense. I think their defense, like it was last year, is going to force an underrated amount of takeaways and be a, 
a good defense. If you don't get one of those elite defenses early, this could be a, like a late one or maybe one you pick up in free agency that could save you as well, too. Then for the Colts, I'm going with Naeem Hines as a fantasy player to watch. When Phillip Rivers was the quarterback, he led the team in receptions. Last year, Carson Wentz threw nothing under 15 yards, so we didn't see a bunch of Hines. I think we'll see them split the difference this year. Hines as a receiver and a running back dual threat. Look for Naeem Hines to get a lot of good action. It's maybe like a flex RB3 type of option, too. I like it. I like it. All right, I'm going to real quick run through my AFC South. I'm going to go with the Texans. I'm going Damian Pierce, your young rookie running rookie running back. I already said Marlon Mack is kind of not going to get enough burn. Damian Pierce looking great through fall practice. Looks like he's going to get the majority of carries. Jaguars, I'm sticking with running back as well, just like you. However, I'm going James Robinson. I think he is the crux to this. I think he's already proven he's the best running back in the game when he has the opportunity. Give him a chance. I, I want to see him get a real chance now. Um, Titans, talking about best running back. Very obvious low-hanging fruit here. Derrick Henry, can you perform coming back from this injury? And can you do enough to offset your woes at wide receiver? We'll have to wait and see. And number one at the Colts, Alec Pierce. I just mentioned him. Young guy out of Cincinnati. has all the intangibles. He's a great-looking weapon. Been looking fantastic. You mentioned to me before we got on the air, listed as a starter going into his first preseason game. So there's some opportunity there. I absolutely I agree with that one as well, too. I'm going to have you just double back now for the NFC South. Tell me your four players watching the NFC South now. Yeah, NFC South. I'm going to start with the Saints. Chris Olave, super easy. The rookie <laughs> rookie receiver. DJ, you mentioned it. If he gets some 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 talents that he picks up from somebody like Jarvis Landry, watch out world. Um, Panthers, I mentioned their defense, man. That defense is fantastic. Uh, it's, just, it's young, up and coming. It's a strong defense. Jeremy Chen leading the way, looking faster, stronger than ever. I, I, there's just not enough good things I can say about this team. Um, it's going to be fantastic to watch defensively. The Falcons, Drake London. Again, I've been harping this one all offseason. Give the guy an, uh, an absolute opportunity just to catch anything. He's a basketball player. He knows how to box out, knows how to shield off any, uh, any opponent and go up and get it. And for the Bucks, a new piece taking over the Gronk roll, which is 46% of all offensive possessions. It's going to be Kyle Rudolph. He's going to be in 46% of their offense, and this man just knows how to go up and, and just shield people off. He is Jason Witten reincarnated, and we saw what he could do and give an opportunity with Kirk Cousins. Now you're going to improve Kirk Cousins and give him Tom Brady? Give me Kyle Rudolph right here for an opportunity. Okay, I dig it. I dig it. Running through the NFC South for me. For the Falcons, I have Drake London. Everything you said, fantastic. I had him as a top 10 player in the draft and a receiver, too. He's incredible. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna shine this year and get at least get some burn in the end zone. Number three for the Panthers, sticking with DJ Moore. I think even with their struggles that they're gonna have, I think he's gonna find a way to cook. I think we're gonna see him and Baker Mayfield get a little bit of a connection because, as a route runner like DJ Moore, a guy who creates so much after the catch, I think they'll find ways to just get him the ball. For the Saints, I think we're gonna see a bounce back year from Mike Thomas. It's not gonna be can't guard Mike, as I joked earlier. It's gonna be hard to guard Mike, which could still result in about ninety catches, a thousand yards, and eight touchdowns which is still a pretty good – if you can get him as like your second or third receiver, that's a pretty good stat line. You'll take that all the, all the time. Then for the Bucks, I'm sticking with Mr. Consistent, all-reliable himself. Not Tom Brady, but Mike Evans. I mean, every year of his career, he's at 1,000 yards. With Tom Brady, at what he's at double-digit touchdowns both times. Less Gronk. I know Julio came in. I talked about for the dual fades earlier. I think Mike Evans is going to vulture a lot of those. Look for Mike Evans to have a 13, 14, 15 touchdown season. Just someone's got to catch these fade routes, and who's – he, who better to throw it up to than Mike Evans, who is big as Gronk. He's as big as Gronkowski was, too. So give me Mike Evans for the Bucks as a fantasy player to watch. 
I like it. I like it a lot. Well, that's going to do it for our main event, which obviously we absolutely love doing these rankings. We have another ranking coming up for next week. But before we get to that, we do have a very important announcement coming up this week. But before that as well, if you haven't already joined our Run Your Pool fan or survival pool for the season, go do so. It's link is in our bio for this. All you got to do, pick a team each week. And you're not you're, once you pick a team, you can't pick them again until the playoffs. It's that simple. It's wisely. You win, you win, you survive. You lose, you're done. It's that easy, super fun, super competitive, and you got an opportunity to win some great prizes there as well. But there is a big announcement this weekend. We will be in Canton for the Fantasy Football Expo 2022, powered by NBC Sports Edge. We're going to be there with all sorts of belly up personalities. You got TSS Fantasy, Dynasty Brews, Belly Up MD, uh, more from the fantasy, Belly Up Fantasy team. You got Mike, our CEO, coming in and checking it out. It's going to be a blast. Absolutely. You, talk, you hear some of our fantasy players. If you're in the area, feel free to stop in and tell us why you think our fantasy predictions are absolute trash or why we might be geniuses or how we might have yeah. won you a league last year as well, too. So there's a whole whole lot to talk about. We can't wait to see that fantasy football run your pool. There's so many different things. In addition to watching the game, you can have like 17 different things going on while yeah. the game is playing at the same time. Love for you to join us. Join the run your pool. See if you can beat Kelsey or I as well, too, with our with some of our outlandish or but we like to consider genius predictions as well, too. The, as Kelsey mentioned, the top finishers will be eligible for some really high-quality prizes as well, too. So definitely don't want to miss that. Links in our bio for all of that. So I want to say thank you all for joining us so much. Next week, we got the AFC and the NFC East, or is it the least? Or is, will it be a beast? We have a whole lot to talk about next week as well, too. We look forward to continuing these rankings right up until kickoff. Until next time, we will see you guys next week. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.